0: I'm ready. Look out, world. Amen. <laughs> it's a joy to be here again, and I appreciate the opportunity. And I just want to say thank you to the church for what you do for us. I appreciate your kindness, your uh, giving, your prayers, your monthly support. We use it. We try to use it in the work of the Lord, and we try to be faithful in what God's called us to do. i like from my wife stand. Many of you know her. Many of you don't. And so let me... Introduce my girl, this is mine. I tell everybody I just about got her paid for. And uh, next May will be our 50th anniversary. And so I'm gonna stay with her. That's how I think about my wife, amen. I love her, I love her in the Lord now. She'll tell you what she thinks about me after service, okay? But I'd like to uh, just say something to you tonight. And that is I've got a card, I'd like to give these out. I'll probably run out if everybody wants one. But, you know, a lot of times I go into churches, I'm seeing aged people, I'm seeing middle-aged people, I'm seeing our uh, Generation Z, I think it is, the baby boomers. I'd forgot about the greatest generation, as Pastor was talking today and different things. But what I'm saying to you, a lot of times we just see people, for example, the older people, they'll retire, and then in a little while they'll go down and they'll get them a job at the mart. And they'll be a greeter or something like that. And you know, I'm just saying to you, listen, there's a place of service. I think about what Brother Ellis said. He said it on several occasions, and I'll share it again. You may have already heard it, and that's fine. But he said, if you can screw in a light bulb, we've got a place of service for you with the Rock of Ages. And there is a place of service. You know, it's one of the ministries where you can pick out your nation and take it for God, or you can pick out your country or, excuse me, your, your state or whatever, and you can go for God. In September of last year, we are yeah last year, we were able to place Brother Colter Patterson in Alaska. Uh, he's right now training at the Springdale Correctional Facility in Seward, Alaska. As soon as he finishes his training, he'll go to uh, Spring or Goose Creek Correctional Facility, about two hours, two and a half hours, no, about four hours. Excuse me, north of Seward. And I think about what the chaplain, head chaplain, Reverend Duncan, made mention to me as we were leaving. He looked at me and he said, Brother Gregory, and I said, yes, sir. He said, give me eight. He said, no, give me nine more men. And I, you, you, you just don't know. I mean, the opportunity that is there and what all can be done and souls that can be saved. And so I would challenge you tonight, if you're looking, if you're considering, if you're thinking, Rock of Ages has a place of service for you. And I'd like to just say to you, we've got our um, we've got our Alabama Blitz coming up in February. And Lord willing, this year, it looks like the most advantageous year for us to get back into South Carolina and have our South Carolina Blitz. And that'll be the first week of October. And I think that is the 3rd, 4th, 5th, and 6th, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. So you pray with us and pray for us and come and go with us. There's a place of service if you want it. I've tried to get Chris to go to Alaska. I think he's heard the call, but his, I don't know if it's his wife telling him no, or he's telling his wife no. Amen. I'm, so, I'm joking when I say that, but honestly, tonight after service, come by and get one of these and pray about ministry with Rock of Ages. There's something to do. There's a place to go. There's people to see saved. And so you pray with us and pray for us about that. Again, it's a joy to be here, and I appreciate the opportunity. I'd like to ask you, if you will, to turn in your Bibles to the book of Matthew. And I want to give a familiar passage of Scripture. You'll know it when I announce it to you, Matthew chapter 7. And I want to talk to you out of this passage of Scripture, Matthew chapter 7. Why don't you stand with me? This will give you an opportunity to stretch and smile. We'll we'll read the Scriptures, verse 7 down through 12 or excuse me, down through verse 11. Then we'll have a word of prayer, and after that you can be seated. Again, it's a joy to be here, and I appreciate pastor uh, that he'd let me come and preach for you. Somebody said today they were looking forward to listening to me, and I said, well, when I get through, you'll say I've heard better. And so anyway, so much for that, amen. But it is a joy to be here, and I appreciate this opportunity. Matthew chapter 7, notice with me what he says. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and to he uh, and, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Or what man is there of you, whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If ye then be evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children. How much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good, uh, good things to them that ask him? Now let's pray, and then you can be seated. Our fathers, we come again to the throne. It's in the blessed name of the Lord Jesus. Fathers, with a grateful, thankful heart, I bow my head and pause to say one more time that I love you. Now, Lord, I ask you, Father, please, that you'll bless. Meet with us tonight. Help me to preach, Lord. Help me to glorify you, to exalt you. And to bless your precious name and to bring you out in such a way Lord that it would be pleasing and a sweet fragrance unto you as we try to preach. Lord would you help your people tonight you know the needs of each and every one that's here and how they stand and so Lord you just help us and we'll thank you and praise you because we ask this in the blessed name of Jesus and for his sake we pray amen and amen. Thank you you may be seated. Look with me tonight I do want to talk to you on prayer and it's nothing that you know uh, 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 that you haven't probably already heard. You don't pro- You haven't. Pro- you already probably know it. But I want to remind you some things about prayer. When you think about this passage of Scripture, I think about a number of passages or verses uh, that are given that come to my mind. Psalms 145 and verse 18. The Lord is not unto all them that call upon Him. To them that call upon Him in truth. I think about. The old passage that we've heard and we've thought and we've preached and we believed. Jeremiah 33, three, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. In John 15 and verse seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. You know, I don't know about you, but I thank God that our God, the God that we serve, is a God that gives us the invitation to come unto him call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things he wants his glory and we give that to him but I want you to know that God will give you you know I think about what he said in Psalms 37 in verse 4 he said delight thyself also in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart God will give to you the desires of your heart. God can make you happy in the service of the Lord. God can make you happy as you serve Christ at the Bible Baptist Church and do what God wants you to do. God's blessings are there. Again, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. As I think about this evening, and as I think about prayer, I wanna give you three questions to consider. And first of all, or that's just the introduction, don't, don't get worried. I do have good news. My brother back there told me I had 10 minutes to preach. And I said, well, preacher said he's gonna give me two. And he said, look what I've done for you, amen? And so, so much for that. But anyway, as you think about it, I I wanna ask you three questions just by starting out. And that is, do you pray at your home? Uh, Do you have an altar at your house? Do you call upon the Lord there? Now you think about that for just a second. And then secondly, do you pray at your home church? at the altar that is used. You think about that. You know, this may seem strange to some of you. I think pastors probably heard it before. You other preachers that are preaching uh, quite often, you've heard it. But I go in, not every time, but I go into church after church, and I'll hear a pastor say, you know, I've been here for 10 years. I've been here for 20 years, and I've never seen this person or that person, or I've never seen some of my congregation ever use the altar at the church. You think about that just for a second. That don't mean nothing to you, but I guarantee you this. It means something to him. It means something to us because we're trying to share with you the word of God. I think about what Brother Rick said was at our church several years ago in an awesome August. And he said the average Christian prays about three minutes per day. And the average preacher prays about 10 minutes per day. And what I'm talking to you tonight about is is prayer, yes, and I'm getting there in just a second, but I want to talk to you about praying for your spouse and your family. Do you go to the altar when your family goes to the altar? I was in a church just a little while back. I was preaching there, had a good service Sunday morning, had a good service Sunday night. And I noticed a couple, or excuse me, a family, young family, And uh, the wife, she comes out, she comes to the altar, and she goes with her daughter, or the daughter comes with her. And I watched, and the husband sat there, and he never moved. And that's what I'm saying to you. When your wife, when your mate, when your spouse, whether it be husband or whether it be wife, when they go to the altar, do you pray for them? I stood up, and I started coming up here. I told my wife, I said, pray for me. And she'll pray for me, and she has. She has. But I'm saying to you, what does the altar in one sense of the word mean to you? And then secondly, let me say this to you right here. And that is, as you think about praying, as you think about that, you young people, do you find it uh, an embarrassment? Do you find it a little bit of uh, negative in your heart or, or resistance in your heart when your parents ask you to come to the altar with them? You know, I think at my church, Uh, in Whitfield, Whitfield Baptist Church, we've got three rows of pews. And I think about in yesteryears, the young people would sit right here in the middle, up at the front and in the middle. And uh, you know, listen, whether it be me or whether it be uh, another preacher or or whoever, our pastor, but you know, sometimes God would just meet with us in a precious, precious way. And uh, you know, I'd look at my wife and I'd motion for her to come. And she'd come, and I'd look at my children, and I'd motion for them to come. And I want you to see something. I want you to understand something. You know, there's nothing spiritual about it. But when they would come, I'd gather around, and I'd try to put my arms all around them. And I was doing that for a reason, because I was saying, Lord, this is my covey. This is my flock. This is what God you've given to me. And Lord, I'm praying for my son. I'm praying for my daughters. I'm praying that God that you'll help us in our times of need. Is my children, are my children, are they? No, they're not perfect. I've got eight grand boys and one little Chinese granddaughter and they're not perfect either. But I'll tell you this, it's kind of like the old country preacher said one time, if God don't answer my prayers, he said, I'm gonna get out on my knees and find out why. And that's some of the best theology I've ever heard about praying. But I'm talking to you tonight about praying specifically for your spouse. You look around and you think about that woman that you're married to. You look around and you think about that man that you're married to and how much they mean to you or do they mean that much to you. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. Where's your marriage at today and how does it stand before Almighty God? And you know, my wife and I, we're not perfect. We have our arguments and she hits me and I say, yes, ma'am. I'm joking, I want to say that, amen, but there has been a few knockdown dragouts and she's drugged me out and left me. And I'd beat on the door and she'd let me back in, amen. Now I'm joking again, she's looking at me, you just wait till I get you home, amen. But you know what I'm saying to you by that, will you think about that? Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians chapter one, and in verse 16, he starts out and he says, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding may be enlightened that you may uh, know what is the hope of his call and in what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And I think that's some of the best things that we could be praying for when it comes to our spouse. If you'll notice with me, there's three things that he wants us to see. And that is number one, wisdom and revelation. He wants you and I to get a hold of the wisdom and the revelation that God is revealing to our hearts. And he wants our spouse to see it. You think about this for just a second, but occasionally you will see, you'll see a giant and then you'll see a dwarf. And I hope I don't sound disparaging when I say that. But, you know, listen, God wants the husband and God wants the wife to mature and to grow together up in the things of God and into the holiness of the Lord. That's what I'm saying. Notice with me. Secondly, he comes along and he talks about enlightenment. And when he's talking about this enlightenment, he's talking about the comprehending of the truth that is set before us. And then thirdly, he talks about the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe. Let me ask you four things tonight when we think about first of all, uh, praying for your spouse's relationship with God. Do you pray for that lost husband? Do you pray for that lost wife? You think about that. Do you call upon the Lord? Do you ask of him? I think about several years ago in our church, uh, you know, we were out on visitation and I went by and I knocked on the door and uh, I knew where I was going. And uh, you know, the man come out, I tried to build a rapport with him and uh, he was a golfer. I'm a goofer, but he's a golfer, and uh, we talked about things like that, you know, and just that didn't go nowhere. Probably a year passed, and I'm not telling all of it, but let me say this to you very quickly. I think about his wife, she's a little red-headed woman, and uh, every time the invitation was given, I don't care if the preacher was preaching on heaven, I don't care if he's preaching on, uh, you know, uh, God's goodness and his mercy or whatever it was, she'd slide into that altar and she'd pray. And many times I've watched that little old woman, she'd have tears and she's calling out, God save my man. God save my husband. God do a work of grace. And you know, listen, one of our uh, couples, or excuse me, a couple of our men went by on a Saturday and invited him to church. And he has a little granddaughter in his arms and he's holding her and he's talking to the men. And uh, Brother Butch, he, he wasn't a brother then, but he looks and he says, well, I'm saved. I'm, I'm doing okay. And that little old girl got a hold of his head and pulled it around here. And she said, now, Paul, you know you ain't saved. Like that right there. And you know what? Listen, the next morning he was at church and he come and he listened and he left. And the next Sunday he was at church and he came and he listened and he left. And the next Sunday he came to church God broke his axles and he was dragging in at that old fashioned altar and that man got saved. Amen. I think about several years ago, we were out in West Tennessee. I was preaching a Sunday morning. I was preaching on hell. It's right before Christmas. That's always good to preach on hell right before Christmas. Amen. And you know, I gave the invitation and a man over here, he raised his hand. He said, it's me. I'm the one. I'm the one that's lost. And he come forward and he got saved. And while he come forward and he was praying God to save him, his wife came forward too. And that little old red-headed woman, two different women, I want you to know that, she looked up at me and she said, Brother Steve, she said, I've been praying this for 38 years that God would save my husband. 38 years and God finally saved her husband. He got in church, he got baptized, and he started going Sunday, Sunday night and Wednesdays to that church. Amen. I'm trying to talk to you about their spiritual state, whether they're saved or whether they're lost. And then you do you pray for them in reference to unconfessed sins? Do you pray for your mate? Do you pray for your wife? Do you pray for your husband? Do you ask if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you ask God, please help my man? I think about a man that was in our ministry many long years ago. He's dead now. He's in heaven. And you know, listen, uh, his wife started going to a little old Baptist church and she got saved. And he'd say, don't give me none of that. I don't want none of that religion. And on Saturday night, he'd come in, this is her testimony, and he'd lay his fifth of liquor down beside his bed, and he'd crawl into the bed late, 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And, uh, you know, the next morning, pardon me for saying this, it's crude, but, you know, listen, uh, they'd get up, and she'd have to give him about a half a bottle of Pepto-Bismol, or she'd melt down about two uh, sticks, maybe three sticks of butter, and she'd make him drink it and she'd set him down on the commode and when he had taken that in, because his stomach couldn't take the liquor anymore, that she would take and he'd get a big drink out of it and she'd hold his nose and hold his mouth until he would quit, his body would quit trying to regurgitate it up because it, his body was so sensitive and he, he'd burned out his stomach to my understanding. That's his testimony that he gave to me. And you know, he come in on Saturday nights after that woman got saved Two o'clock in the morning, she'd be at the foot of the bed and she'd been a pool of tears praying, God save my man. God save my man. You know what happened? He got saved, amen. What about the confession of sins? If we confess our sins, do you pray for that husband? Do you pray for that wife? Is there unconfessed sins? Did you come today to church? and? Uh, you two are arguing, you walk in, you're smiling like everything's Jim Dandy, a double and so forth and so on, but yet at the same time, you walk out, you don't talk to her, and she don't talk to you. If the children say anything, you fuss out. Shut up back there and so forth and so on. You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about unconfessed sins. I'm talking about getting this right and bringing the harmony and the fellowship back in uh, to your marriage with your wife. Only good thing I know about having an argument with your wife is when you get to kiss and make up, you get a little sugar, amen? You all get that, but then may I say to you, thirdly, do you pray for them when they're harboring ill will towards others? You think about that for just a second. How's your relationship with your church? How's your walk with your pastor? I can't talk to him. I'm not going to talk to him. How's your relationship with your Sunday school? I don't go to Sunday school. Don't want to listen to it. I I just come for the preaching and the singing. And and I'd rather have the singing than the preaching. Can Can I get an amen there? You understand? And there's a lot of people with that attitude out there today. And they're carnal. They won't open up their Bibles You know, I think about a lady that was in our church many long years ago, and it's when the Schofield 151s were real popular. And they come in a box, oh, that's nice. Come in a box, and you could get them, and then they were wrapped up in nice paper. And this old girl, her husband, bought her a, a Bible. And every Sunday, she'd bring that box, she'd open that box up, and she'd open that paper up, put it in the box, close the box, and then she'd have her Bible in her hand. And that thing looked new probably a year, year and a half after she had it, amen? Do you write in your Bibles? Do you take notes? Do you listen? Are you trying to absorb and take in the good word of God, which is able to save the soul? That's what he says. I'm talking to you about, listen, what about your relationship with your fellow man? Listen, friend, there's one thing to get mad, mad, but there's another thing to harbor that, uh, confess it and forsake it, and try to get it out of the way and try to go on. Sometimes it's a difficult situation, I understand that, but oh, he giveth grace, amen, doesn't he? And then may I say to you, fourthly, what about failing to follow with the Lord? John 15 and verse 7. I've quoted it now two times. This is the third. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. When he talks about that abiding, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about staying in a given position. And what that position is, is to walk in the known revelation that God has made known to your heart. What he has showed you to walk therein and, and to abide in that. And not only to walk therein, but to grow in the grace and the love and the knowledge of the Lord. Uh, to a more maturity and a height in Christ you know a lot of times we well I'll talk about that in just a second let me go on but may I say to you as you think about praying for your spouse and your relationship with God but secondly what about praying for your spouse to be a spiritual person turn with me in your Bibles to the book of first Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 and he says but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit why for their foolishness unto him why neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned but he that is spiritual judgeth all things yet he is judged of no man for who hath known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct instructed but we have the mind of Christ chapter 3 and verse 1 and I brethren I'll probably misquote some of this and I brethren could not speak unto you as unto spiritual but as unto, uh, for your carnal but as unto babes even as babes uh, he said for I fed you with milk and not with meat for hitherto you're not able to bear it, neither yet are you able. For whereas there is among you envy, strife, division, are you not carnal, and walk as men? I think somebody, someone alluded to it today, but as you think about in chapter three and verses one, two, and three, when he talks about the carnal man there, he'll run you, if you run your references, it'll take you right back up to first Corinthians chapter two and verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit. He's not talking about falling from grace. He's not talking about losing your salvation. He's talking about you're acting and you're walking just like an unregenerated man that has never been saved. And there's three classes of people there. You've got your lost, unregenerated man, the natural man. Is that what you want? Is is that what you, you know? I think about. It, um, I'll get off this in just a second. But several years ago, we were in Kentucky. Gail and I and the kids at that time. And I was preaching a revival. And uh, after the revival service was over, and we were staying in a little old uh, small trailer, and I'm not making fun of that. I'm just telling you what we were in. And there come a door, a knock on the door. And so, uh, you know, the kids, we went sent them on to bed and everything like that. And uh, a young lady come in. And she began to talk to us. And she, you know, she began to talk to us about uh, uh, getting married. And I asked her, I said, is your uh, fiancé, is he saved? And she looked back and she says, he has his religion and I have mine. And I said, that's not a good thing right there. I said, is he saved? Does he go to church? Does he serve God? Does he look after spiritual things? Is he seeking for the things of God rather than the things of his flesh? And she says, I don't know. I don't think he's saved. And I said, you ought to leave him alone. You ought not marry him. Don't follow through with that. I know that seems strong. I understand that that seems a little coarse to some. Whose business, what business is that of yours? Well, it's not my business, it's what the book says. He said, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what righteous, or what does righteousness have with unrighteousness? Now, I'm saying that wrong there, but you look in 1 Corinthians chapter six, I believe you'll find it there about verse 11. And what I'm saying to you here tonight is many people, a lot of times, oh, she's so good-looking. I know if I get her, oh, if I win her, oh, listen, I'll get her in church, she'll get saved. Wrong. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, but he's such a fine young man. Oh, he, he's got good standards. If I get him in church, oh, listen, he'll get right with God. Wrong. You wait till he gets right with God. You begin to watch him show some some spirituality about him, and you get him in the church. The natural man, that natural man, you yoke up unequally with that, you're gonna have a lot of heartaches, you're gonna have a lot of headaches, you're gonna have a lot of of pain that you'll go down through life with, amen? And then we see there's the carnal man. You look in chapter three, verses one and two. And I, brethren, could not speak unto us unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as babes in Christ. Christ. He said, For I fed you with milk. Milk, that's for babies. Now, I love a good glass of milk. My wife's got me on that 1%. I like the 4%, amen, but I'll settle for two. But she, I'm joking, part of it sometimes, she'll say, I'm taking home 1%. He can like it or lump it, amen. Uh, you know, but what I'm saying to you is this right here milk is for babes, it's for babes in Christ. I'm looking back at that family and, ma'am, got that little old baby in your arms and that little old baby probably loves milk. And, you know, later on you take and you add a little pabble to it, I believe it is, Uh, you know, and and our country was having a shortage in getting baby food, wasn't it, eh, ma'am? And, and, you know, from there uh, you'll take and you'll set him up in a high chair or her in a high chair and uh, you put a little strand of meat out there and a little bit of potatoes out there and you'll mash them a little bit easier and they'll take them potatoes and they'll go just like that every time, amen. They'll miss the mouth and hit the forehead, amen. But you know what I'm trying to get you to see is they're beginning to grow. And so we see here when he talks about, uh, but you're carnal, he said, for I fed you with milk and not with meat, you're not able to absorb and to take in the uh, word. Oh, friend of mine listen you know why it's because that bible that you bought and you paid good money for it's sitting on the coffee table or it's sitting on your desk it's sitting somewhere and you never pick it up somebody said well where should i pick it up at well i'd tell you to start in the gospels and get familiar with the lord jesus and the work of our savior but hey you get in the word god will speak to you amen that's what matters just getting into the word And so we see carnality as it's demonstrated he he said the envy strife and division among you that's what hurts the church but you know what preaching does preaching keeps down carnality when somebody looks you in your god-given eyeball and points that little finger at you and says this is what thus saith the lord and you ought to quit that y'all stop that i think about down at the jail where i serve as chaplain sometimes the fellows will look at me and they'll say Preacher, pray for me and uh, my old lady. And I'll say, now let me ask you a question about your old lady. i say, is your old lady your wife? Or is your old lady, uh, sometimes they'll speak, my significant other? Oh, that sounds real dignified. And I said, I'll tell you something. I'm just going to shoot straight with you. You want me to shoot straight with you? Well, yeah, preacher. God ain't going to answer my prayer if you two are shacking up. If you're eleven together, God ain't going to answer my prayer. You need to pray it. You need to ask. God ain't going to answer it. Why don't you man up, be a man, give that woman a name, and give them children a name, and raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Listen, God will bless that. You want God's blessings on you. I had a man the other day, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I had a man the other day, he looked at me, he said, Preacher, pray for me. I said all right sir what are we praying about he said they gave me three life sentences in 40 years and I went whoa okay I, I don't know I, I you know I, I don't say that humorous I'm just telling you the truth and I'm trying to get you to see something and that is praying and seek in the face of God that your husband or your wife will be a spiritual person and they'll grow and they'll want to come and serve God and follow the Lord and do those things that are right. Hey, do you realize it's 2023 and the world looks and says, this is antiquated. What you're talking about is stupid. This is not what we want. We want to be in New York like last night where the hula and a hurrah and having their self a time. Well, listen friend, I was glad to be on the sideline in my uh, living room, watching the dogs win. All right, we'll leave that alone, amen. But you know, what I'm trying to get you to see is are you wanting a spiritual person? You look over in verse uh, uh, chapter four, verse 15, but he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet is judged of no man for hath known the mind of the Lord uh, that we may instruct him. And then he comes along and he says these words, but we have the mind of Christ. You think about that. You know how you and I have the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is revelated to your heart right here and there. It's not through dear Abby. It's not through this or that. It's through the blessed pages of the blessed Bible. It's when your preacher stands up, preaches the word of God, thus saith the Lord, here's what it says. Now let's do it and follow along. That's where God blesses. I know some of y'all... Generation C are looking at me kind of strange. Well, I'm a baby boomer. I didn't know that until a while back. We were down in Jessup, Georgia, and I said, well, let's go over here to Dunkin' Donut, and we'll get in the line and get something to eat. Well, we got our order, placed our order in the line, pulled up there, and I thought the lady was giving me everything. I said, thank you. You come back. And she looked at me like, what would you say, old man? And so she went on about her business and handed me some more stuff. And I said, thank you. You come back. And she looked at me like, oh, man, you better get out of here while you can. Hey, this little girl didn't look like she was over 16 years old. And I'm pulling off and it dawns on me, baby boomer meets generation Z. That's what it dawned on, amen. I'm trying to get you to see something. I want you to understand. Listen, what do you want out of the wife that you have? Do you want a spiritual woman? Do you want a carnal woman? Do you want an unregenerated woman? Oh, but you hadn't saw her in all of this. Oh, friend of mine, listen... You better think about that. Let me just give it to you. Have you ever thought about why he says in Acts, or excuse me, Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, even to the dividing and of soul and spirit, the joints of the marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and the intents of the hearts of men. Have you ever thought about that? Because you'll find the two-edged sword mentioned Four times in the Bible. And one of those two edged swords, you find it in Proverbs chapter 5 and about verse 4, and it's talking about the whorish woman. And it talks about how she has, uh, you know, honey dripping, and her lips are smoother than oil, and so forth and so on. Oh, but she's like wormwood and bitter. And the only thing that can cut that whorish woman out of the heart of a man is the Word of God. And the only thing that will cut a whore hopping man out of the heart of woman is the word of God you better stick with the blessed book and let the book speak to you and give you your direction trust in the Lord with all thine heart lean not to thine own understanding in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path be not wise in thine own eyes fear the Lord depart from evil for it shall be health unto thy neighbor and marrow unto thy bones oh that's the blessed book for you Listen, you're looking at one that sometimes, i just be honest with you, I'm at the back of the line trying to figure out what's going on. But you know what? Thank God, I know who's at the front of the line. And if I just keep following, following him, you know that shepherd, they go down into that Judean plain land, some 25 miles wide, some 35 miles long. And many times all those little lambs could see when he'd hold up that rod, thy staff, which comfort me and he'd hold it up not the rod but the staff and they could look up and they may not see him because of the grass or whatever but they could see that rod and wherever that rod or that, uh, that staff I'm saying the rod I mean the staff wherever that staff took them that's where it was can I tell you it's a picture of the Holy Ghost of God many times that shepherd would have to lean on that from having been up all night protecting and watching over his sheep and taking care of the sheep hey the Holy Ghost still lives in your heart if you can't find out what you need get out on your knees and call out to God shed some tears and look to the heavens and God can still speak to our hearts oh well I'm enjoying preaching but y'all look like I need to hurry some of y'all mean that too
1: let me me,
0: look here How about praying for your spouse to love your children? You ever thought about that? Well, that's that's a normal thing. Sometimes I've wanted to take and pinch my children's heads off. You know what I mean? Look at them like that and give them a little of that. Sometimes I've wanted to spank them. Hey, listen, sometimes I've spanked my children in the wrong attitude for the right thing, but the wrong attitude I've went back to my children after I've calmed down and cooled down and I've taken the belt to them and say, hey, look, it's your time. Now you spank dad because what I done was right, but how I done it was wrong. And I'm trying to tell you I'm sorry. Listen, what do you think about your children? What do you think, is your children, when they come up to you, do they go like that because they're afraid that backhand's gonna come to them? What does your children mean to you let, let me give you this very quickly. You look in Psalms 127, verse 3, 4, and 5. Lo, children are a heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are the children of thy youth. Happy is the man that hath this quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but they shall speak with the enemies in the gates. We see, number one, they're an arrow. You think about taking that bow and you pull it back. And you let that arrow fly. And to the direction that you let it fly and to the, how you have it as far as this is concerned, it'll go to the direction that you want it to go. You know, you think about that for just a second. Let's go back. Let's back up for just a second. You take these little old fellas right here. Can I borrow one? You come up here. Can I, can I borrow you for just a second? You take, for example, if this one's mine. And, and you know, listen, all I treat... uh, how I treat him is just rough, smart and and tell him to shut up and sit down and keep your mouth quiet and don't you do like me you do as I tell you to do you understand what I'm saying you understand where I'm coming from what else can I expect out of him You, you understand what I'm saying but you nurture him up and you love him and you point that arrow in the direction he should go. Now, listen, he can stray. I understand that. God knows how to beat his eyeballs out so we can see better, too. You understand what I'm saying? But I, I'm trying to get you to see something. You've got the bow, he's the arrow. When you load him, where do you want him to go? Think, thank you, son. Think, man, not too forward here. Would you please? I don't think there's a mother here. I don't think there's a mother in their right mind that would come along and say, Oh, praise the Lord. My boy's in drugs. Oh, praise the Lord. My girl's caught up in sin. I don't have to be no more forward than that. You know where I'm coming from. Many times the boy... He's congratulated for his sin. And the girl caught in the trap is condemned. Listen to me, friend. I'm trying to get you to see something. How do you love your children? How do, you, how do you care for them? What do you think about them? Do you take that time? Dads, take time to take those boys. Take time to take those fellas fishing. Show them how to bait that hook. Show them how to throw that, uh, put that weight on and throw that float out there and let them catch their own and so they'll want to go. You know, several years ago, this is a fact. One of the things that caused most division in a home between a mother and a daughter, think about it, a mother and a daughter, you know what it was? I'm trying to think of the name of it. It was a dishwasher. I don't get that. I didn't think you would. In yesteryears, the mother would wash, and the daughter would rinse and dry, and they would have times of fellowship together and love. You know, God gave us three kids. Again, they're not perfect, far from perfect, but I think about mom, a lot of times my wife and the kids have come along, and they're just friends. Usually, the are friends because mom pays the way. Y'all will get that in just a second. One of our grandboys thinks my wife is a millionaire. He don't care about me because grand's got the money. Now, I'm joking when I say all that, but you understand where I'm coming from. How do you treat those children? How do you love them? Let me give you something else. Uh, what about your relationship between you and your spouse that will deepen? Let me give you this very quickly. You look over into the book of Ephesians 5 and verse 25. He says, husbands, love your wives. It's a commandment. It's a commandment to love your wife. But you look over in Titus chapter 2. And he said, but speak thou of the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, brave, sound in faith, and patience, and charity, that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior that becometh holiness, uh, not false accusers, nor given to much wine, but teachers of good things, that they may teach the younger women how to love their husbands and to love their children. You're commanded, man. You're commanded to love your wife, but that wife has to learn how to love you. If your thought of going on a vacation is going down to Louisiana and doing some fly fishing and her and the children stay locked up in a motel five days so you can have fun out on the boat, that's not a very good vacation. You understand where I'm coming from? I'm saying take time to love that wife that you've got. Boy, I don't know about you, but I I tell you, my wife, she'll leave and I'll tell you, I miss you, come on home, Uh, where you at now? You know, something like that. I love being with my wife. Are you listening to me? She's not a hag, she's not this, she's not that. I guess you heard the story about the three couples they were eating out. And the one husband wanted to impress the other two. And he looks over and he says, Honey, pass the honey, honey. And so she passes it. The second guy, he says, What can I say? And he says, "Um, Sugar, pass the sugar. And the last guy, he couldn't think of nothing. And he said, Pass the tea bag. I know you've heard that one before. I'm going to share it with you again. Listen, is she bag, is she sugar, or is she honey? Are you, my dad used to teach us when we was kids. This is going to blow some of you. But he'd say, now, son, you walk on the outside when you're in town, uh, and your girl walks on the inside. And I'd say, why? And he'd say, because if she's on the outside, she's up for grabs. I didn't know what he meant by that, but it made good sense, and I always put her on the inside. And so I, you know, I'll ask my wife, "I slow down, let me walk with you," you know, like that. But hey, where are you at with your relationship? Let me just say this to you: Listen, men, how long's it been since you bought that wife flowers? How long's it been since you've taken your wife out on a date, honey? How long's it been since you have uh, put on some and all that stuff under your eyes and? Little Rouge and all that, and, and put a little smell good on. And, and listen, I'm, I'm saying something to you. How long has it been since you've taken that wife out and bought her a new dress? How long has it been since you've taken that daughter out, Dad, and you took that daughter out on a date? How long's it been, ladies, since you've taken your son out and you've taken him or your boys out and you've taken them on a date? I'm just trying to get you to see some things, to think some, think about some things. How long has it been since you've opened the car door for your wife? How long has it been since you've just loved on her and told her how much she means to you? It's been several years ago. My wife, oh gracious, she had something special planned. and So I had to, blind, they blindfolded me, her and my, one of my daughters, and, and we're going down and you know, going the way and the direction, I could pretty tell from where we lived, I could pretty well tell where we was going. And so we go in and we get in town and, and I've got my blindfold on and we go over to another spot and I don't know where that's at. And guess what my wife had done? She'd uh, uh, rented a, a motel room. And, uh, you know, it was a king and had suite and had jacuzzi. And uh, you know, and everything like that. This has been several years ago. Don't worry, y'all didn't finance it, okay? I want y'all to know that, okay? And, and I walk in and, and, and there's roses all over. I looked at her and I said, thanks. No, I didn't, no, I didn't. I didn't say that. You understand where I'm coming from? And she wanted to do something special. She wanted to do something special. How long has it been since you've done something special for the woman that you love? You say, we're living in hard times. I understand that. I understand that. Uh, You know, and, and, uh, you know, I'm just trying to get you to see something. Love your wives. Love your wives. I was in a department store the other day looking for a present from my wife. And I began to talk. with the lady, she's an older lady and um, she was manager and uh, she said well what do you think your wife and we talked on and I said well I've got a great one I've got a great wife I do, I've got a great wife I really do I'm not saying that because I have to I'm not saying it because she's sitting here I'd say it if she wasn't here I love the gal God gave me God's been good to me. She's given, you know, <coughs> beauty. Some of you young whippersnappers, y'all y'all figure that out in just a second. You think it's all here, and it's all here and all this. Oh, but wait till your wife's giving you four children. Wait till you see those children raise up and God's giving you eight grandboys and one little Chinese granddaughter. Wait till God has given you three outlaws and one daughter-in-law. You see how good God has been to you. Don't you tell Josh I said that, brother. You can't just That's just between us, amen. I'm trying to say to you, love the wife you've got. How long's it been since you've rode down the road and you've reached over and you held hands? Nothing behind it. I think you men understand. You just wanted to hold her hand. How long has it been since you've reached up and kissed her on her hand and put it back down? How long has it been since you've bought cologne? Do you know what kind of cologne that your wife uses? Do you know what dress size that she is? Could you go tonight? I couldn't tonight. I'm I'm being honest with you. But the clone she has on, it's because I picked it out. And I'm not bragging on me. I'm trying to tell you something. I think about one of our families. I'll go on here in just a second. I think about one of our families, Brother Rick, that was going to central Mississippi to one of our crusades. And uh, the husband's driving down the road in their van, and he pulls over on the side of the road. And Judy looked and said, Rick, what's wrong with you? He said, I'll be back or something like that. Puts on the emergency flashers, jumps out, and he goes down into the side, and he picks those little yellow flowers. They're the one that early in the spring, and he brought her back a big wadful, and it was like that woman had been given two dozen roses. I think about one of our families we were trying to help many long years ago, and. Uh, we were trying to counsel with the families to find out where they were, and what was going on. And I remember I said to the wife, I said, they're in, Gail and I, and the couple's in my office. And I said, does your husband buy you candy? Now I'm thinking about the, is Waltman's, isn't it Waltman's and Russell Stover's, isn't that right? You know, those big hearts like that, and it's got chocolate candy. That's what I'm thinking. And she looked back and she said, oh, yes. Yes, he does. Her eyes lights up. And I said, really? I said, what's your favorite candy? She bought, he said, he bought me some last night. I said, what'd he get you? She said he got me a zero bar. (laughs) Listen to me. Listen to me. That's what Trank. That's what cranked that old girl's heart. It cranked her, tractor. You understand where I'm coming from? My wife to this day, not because I'm special, I'm trying to give you some ideas, guys. She's got notes that I've written her when we were dating to this day. She's got one where I had a brown paper bag, I wrote a note on it, Put it on her windshield under the windshield wiper and I left and went on. That don't crank my tractor. It don't do nothing for me. I'll be through here in just a second. Preacher, I I know I'm y'all looking at me like I need to hurry here. That don't crank my tractor, but I'm gonna tell you something. It does hers. It does hers. Love that gal you've got. Care for that girl that you've got. I feel like I need to finish or be through here. I've got more. But I want to ask you tonight, listen, here's the challenge. Are you praying for? Are you loving? Are you sharing? Are you showing? Are you caring for that wife or that husband? that God has put you two together. Are you doing that? You bow with me. Let's have prayer. Our fathers, we come to the throne. It's in the blessed name of the Lord Jesus. I pray, Father, please, I've said some things that would help, that would help. Lord, that would be an encouragement, Lord, to your people. I'm far away from the outline that God you've given me. And I trust it'll be sufficient for the hour. You help us in this invitation. We'll thank you and praise you. Please give us your grace. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed,